Good morning. That was horrible. Good morning. That was much better, much better. Thank you so much for being here today, especially if you're a guest with us. You picked a great Sunday uh, to be with us. We have, as Jared said earlier, many of our missionaries from around the world with us. I have an amazing panel up here with me this morning. You're going to get to hear from them. And then also after the service, please go out to the atrium as their booths are out there and you'll get to uh, hear more of their story and get to know them personally. Uh, one quick note, if you don't mind, um, I know some of you like your phone and you like to take pictures and then put that on social media. Uh, if you would, please refrain from doing that uh, throughout this service with our panel so that we make sure that we protect their safety. Many of them are going to be traveling home. And if you haven't heard, there's a lot going on in the world. And so we want to do our part in protecting them. So if you don't mind, please do that. I'm going to give a brief introduction of the people who are up here with me. And then I'm going to let them introduce a little more about themselves and give some context for the ministry that they do around the world. But first of all, we have John and Sandy Trzinski who are with us. And they are with Campus Crusade for Christ. They're based in Spain. We also have Catherine Jones with us, who is with the organization Into Freedom, based in Moldova. And then we have Eric Sword with us from Wesley College in Tanzania. And then we have Joseph, who works with the persecuted church around the world. And so we're going to jump right in so that I know you want to hear from them, not me. You get to hear from me every week. Uh, so we're going to jump right in with them. And I'm going to start with John and Sandy. And if you guys would, tell us a little bit about your ministry. Give us some context for that and how your work is unique. Sure. Hello, Fraser Church. Great to be here with you today. We are counselors for missionaries, which is a, a little bit of a unique spin on your typical ministry. Um, cross-cultural workers live in a very unique, have a unique calling and a, and a unique set of circumstances. They live at three to five times the levels of stress than those of us who live in their home culture. Mm -hmm. um, we uh, provide counseling to them at their points of need, and uh, they are uh, those people who really need our help and um, and we're able to be there on the field with them mm -hmm. and one of the unique things uh, about what we get to do is that we are cross-cultural missionaries ourselves so as mental health counselors we really understand the context of those we serve which makes a big difference mm -hmm. and um, we just love being there throughout the missionary lifespan before they go to the field at points of crisis um, and at life transitions and also as they return back home. Yeah. I'm Katherine Jones and my husband Brian and I work with Into Freedom in Moldova, which is in between Romania and Ukraine. And the purpose of Into Freedom is an anti-trafficking organization, but the heart of it is freedom, helping young people and people across the world find freedom in Christ and spiritual freedom and physical freedom and mental freedom. How that looks in our lives is that we work with vulnerable populations in Moldova. And what we do is we parent. We, we parent, we have daughters, and that's 24-7 for us, and it is a huge blessing for us. Wesley College in Tanzania is a community college style educational institution that seeks to form servant leaders uh, for the church and the community. Uh, we have programs in theology, community development, business and entrepreneurship um, that is offered to about 200 students a year. And what is unique about Wesley College is the potential that Tanzania offers. 
uh, Tanzania has the 10th youngest population of any country in the world, uh, meaning that over 50%, 30 million um, people in Tanzania are under the age of 24. And so we've got a huge opportunity as Tanzania is going from rural to urban, like many countries in Africa. We have an opportunity as these youth are moving uh, geographically and being mobile socially and economically to also help them as they are mobile and migrating some of their faith views. Um, Tanzania uh, is about 50 to 60% Christian. Um, but there are a lot of people that are starting to come out of other religious backgrounds and as they move around uh, questioning and asking questions and looking for direction with the vocation and the calling and the direction of their lives and we have a huge opportunity in tanzania to help impact and transform them and help give their vocation and calling direction uh, to be able to be faith-based servant leaders in their churches and in their communities to transform uh, their country and the lives around them wow thank you yeah I work for um, Jesus, of course, <laughs> <laughs> and ILI, uh, International Leadership Institute, um, to uh, uh, train leaders over the MENA region, which is um, uh, Middle East, North Africa region, which we have like 450 million population, 1% of this Christian, maybe less. Uh, there is a huge need for um, workers and uh, more needs for leaders to uh, uh, train indigenous leaders to take the gospel to the 99%. We do leadership training through uh, a curriculum called History Maker's Journey, which is based on eight core values for the most effective leaders um, over conferences in these regions we do it and the second component we do church planting to mobilize uh, planters to go and plant churches um, i mean house churches because uh, um, majority of these countries do not have uh, church buildings like this at all um, the uh, final uh, uh, component is um, a family. We found a serious need for the Muslim background believers in this region have desperate need to learn about Christian family. So we, t we take our training, our teaching to teach them the biblical uh, family uh, for them. Thank you, guys. Um, I want you all to spend a little time talking about uh, what you see that God is doing that's exciting right now. Um, and, and, and sometimes it's not exciting, it's just doors that he's opening, right? I know that uh, several of y'all have been working already this week uh, with people, uh, connecting with people on the ground in Ukraine and what's going on there. And so, John and Sandy, tell, me, uh, tell us a little bit about what God is doing and y'all share a story or two. Sure, sure. Thanks uh, for that. Yes, um, we, we have uh, about 130 staff in the Ukraine. And right now, uh, this week has been you know, a very chaotic week, as you can imagine, and our prayers do go out with them. Um, 
and and all of our staff are safe and accounted for and we have great teams of people that are supporting them and helping them to get to the right place along down the road their care needs are going to be the most important thing to take care of mm -hmm. um, and so sandy and i will be mobilizing those teams to care for them uh, come alongside them debrief them they're all you know they have children and families there's a lot of needs you can imagine right now um, we always look for the glimmers of hope even in the tragedy god is providing glimmers of hope and so the blessing is that we are able to be on that side of the ocean closer to their time zone um, and and connected to the other um, professionals and caretakers who can um, provide the care that they need so thanks for your prayers for them one of the most exciting things for us is just witnessing the beauty and the resilience of our coworkers. As counselors, we get up close and personal with people's stories. As we have this week with our brothers and sisters, other missionaries here from Fraser, and it's been so inspiring to see the incredible work that they do under tremendous pressures. Um, and for us to get to minister to them when they are in their times of need and see um, their strength, their resilience, how they lean on the Lord is really the most amazing and inspiring thing to us. Additionally, um, during the pandemic, my favorite thing that I got to do, um, you know, often as counselors, we like to be in person and sitting across from faces, but that wasn't possible during the pandemic as for many of us. And so we really got to see God um, actually open up the space. We work in Europe, but actually during the pandemic, we realized, oh, we're all in the same location on Zoom. <laughs> and so um, suddenly the borders of where we served weren't there anymore. And so um, we were able to trust God to do some things online. What we found out is that missionaries are hungry for spaces where there is safety and invitation to tell their stories, not just the glorious, beautiful stories right. of what they're getting to do, but some of the difficult stories that are common in all of our lives, mm -hmm. in our seasons of pain and disorientation when we can't really see God. And so, um, I trusted God to open up a space online and, and create a debriefing opportunity for missionaries, opened it up to other organizations and other um, countries, mm -hmm. and 150 um, coworkers were involved in that. And wow. what I saw is when we lay the foundation to say, we wanna see each other, hear each other's stories, even the painful things, and have an environment that's safe for that. There was tremendous healing that happened, and not just from us as the counselors, but actually between our coworkers. Mm -hmm. And so um, really watching God work in ways that were outside of my comfort zone and what I traditionally do um, was one of the most beautiful things that I witnessed. Um, and even now, I actually, two of our missionaries that are here, not on the stage, um, were saying, your debrief that we are a part of 
um, was one of the best things that we did we've done during this pandemic wow. time and they were in East Asia at the time so wow. it, it's been very cool to see um, to be connected to others during mm -hmm. that time and we want to continue to do things um, online to provide care for missionaries yeah before we move on uh, you guys said I believe that missionaries talk about the stress missionaries live under compared to those of us who live in our culture native culture yeah yeah missionaries just live in a very unique set of circumstances and uh, they live in three to five times the level of stress so mm -hmm. that can mean anything from just what it means to live in a new country and mm -hmm. a new bureaucracy and a uh, new language and a new yeah. culture and a new team you mm -hmm. know and it's it's a lot it's a lot um, mm -hmm. and then if things are going well that's one thing but if if um, some of those stresses start to build up and and you know they're leaving their family their friends all their support systems at home mm -hmm. um, even their relationships are new this is really a tough kind of breeding ground they need people alongside them they need mm -hmm. people they can trust they need to be able to share the struggle yeah. um, that's what we do that's really where we come in and yeah. provide those spaces for them but it's um you know think about those missionaries uh if you can and, and sort of the spaces that they're in yeah we've heard that anxiety and depression are the common cold wow. of missionaries wow that means to say and often that is because of cumulative stress that is unprocessed that yeah. can manifest in many ways wow. and so that tells you you know the need mm -hmm. of those levels of stress instability mm -hmm. fear crime let you know yeah. changing circumstances and being away from support systems yeah. so well, thank you all for what you do Catherine tell us about the girls as you share some stories that people love hearing about them mm -hmm. I always feel bad when it's my turn because I have so much to say and it's hard for me to reel it in. We have so many stories. Um, we have been parenting young women for a really long time and I am looking at Butch right now and I just need to say that my husband and I would not have been in Moldova if it weren't for Butch. We felt called to go yes. on a short-term mission trip and I went and gave him a hard time until he helped me figure out how to plan it. <laughs> yes, yes. Butch um, McPherson, stand up right there. Stand up, Butch. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things yeah. that Sandy said earlier was that a lot of times missionaries spend so much time focusing on financial support, which we do, that we forget the emotional, like mm -hmm. spiritual, just a different kind of support network. And, um, that really hit home because we do tend to think about just the the, the financial needs um, but we have been really blessed um, financially so that's not been our worry but our church here at Fraser has been a, a constant support for us and we've been able to go parent amazing young women from incredibly vulnerable situations and we've gotten to watch them grow into independent strong-willed opinionated young women <laughs> and like every, I was so intentional about everything I did making sure that they had a voice that they could they knew that they could say talk to me and tell me how they felt and now sometimes I'm like why did I do that <laughs> um, because I get to hear all of the feelings all of the time um, but I there is never a day that I don't wake up and think 
who am I that I get to do this? Mm. Who am I that I get to like love these girls every day, that I get to witness the unfolding of this independence and beauty and intelligence and just that I get to watch them really lean into who they are in Christ, that I get to see when it clicks. Because I know you guys know when you see that, when it clicks for somebody like, oh my gosh, I'm loved. Like the creator of the world, he sent his son to die for me and he loves me. And to, to watch somebody really understand that, that is good stuff, y'all. Like, there's, I don't have the vocabulary to describe it. Um, we have had so many amazing things over the last eight years, but two little things I want to tell you about. Brian has had the, the chance to walk four of our girls down the aisle. Wow. Most of them have transitioned into independent living. We have grandbabies. Um, <laughs> It's just a joy, and we never knew that we were going to become parents. We never knew we were going to have 30 children either. So um, I really love when people ask me, like, oh, do you have children? I'm like, yeah, I have about 20. And I have four grandkids, and they're always like, you're so young to have grandchildren. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. But one really cool thing that I want to tell you all about, one of our girls, we love, like, education is really important to us because we want to see young people be educated, and we want to see them staying in Moldova and changing their culture. Mm -hmm. um, and one of our girls finished university during the pandemic, um, and she has opened her own occupational therapy practice and is working with children with disabilities, which as a former special education teacher, it makes my heart so incredibly happy. And she's constantly asking me, like, oh, what do you know about this therapy? What do you know about this? And it is just such a joy to see her passion for people with disabilities grow. And, like, she really wants to see them well served in her country. And that is a joy and a privilege to witness. Yeah. And we just, we love our country. We love it so much. And it's just a joy to be there. And it wouldn't be possible if... Butch hadn't let me go to Moldova. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. Eric, you're doing great, great work in Tanzania, and it's, it's growing, and you're praying it grows more. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I would agree 100%. Like, the, the joy comes in watching people journey. Yeah. And the joy comes in watching people grow and watching people change. And, and, and the, the blessing of being a missionary is having a front row seat um, to that to that journey in people's lives and the, the vision of Wesley College is really to be an impactful part of our students journey mm -hmm. um, and so we try to focus on how we can get them there and then impact them and transform them and then send them back out there's a, a graduate of ours last year we graduated one of our first classes of community development um, workers and, and business uh, students and there's um, a woman in that graduating class who is our stereotypical student, did not think that she was college material when she was a teenager. Many of our students already, uh, my, own, my oldest is 14 and going into high school and, and already people are talking about, well, how are you going to get to college? And that's not a conversation her family ever had with her, I guarantee. She was married off uh, at 14. Um, because her family needed to pay some medical bills, and, and that was the best, uh, easiest, way, quickest way for them to get money. Um, and so she was married off at 14. She had two kids by 16, and by 17, her husband had left her. And she was wondering what in the world that she was going to do. 
and what uh, she wasn't worried about what her life was going to look like. She wasn't worried about how do I finish my, my high school education or how do I get into college. She was worried about how do I put food on my table and feed my kids and make sure they don't get sick because I can't afford to take them to the hospital. And um, I'll, it's a long story and an amazing, I'll, I'll try to cut it short, do my best um, to, to, to fit into some kind of time. But, um, but in the middle of that, she was literally sitting on the side of a road, um, just crying and afraid to go home to where her two kids were because she didn't know what she was going to feed them. And a, a, a woman walked by and asked her what was going on, and she explained the situation. She said, come with me, and she took her to the parsonage of a local church, and they gave her some of the food that they had uh, in their home, and, and she went back and was able to feed her kids. And so that Sunday, she went to church and, and, and went to service, and afterwards went up and asked them, why would you help me? You don't know me. There's no reason for you to stop. There's no reason for you to help me. And they said, this is what God's love for all of us looks like. And that's the day that she was saved. Mm. And she became a Christian and, and, and she had this desire always to be able to give back to others. She's got an absolutely amazing, huge heart uh, for everyone that she meets. But it was years. Um, she was being saved didn't remove all of her challenges. It's not yeah. like she magically got out of the situation that she was in. But slowly, she did eventually get a job, um, met, um, met some people, and, and, and years later, several years later, ended up being the supervisor at an orphanage. Mm. And now, not only had her kids, but was able to provide care for over 50 children uh, who didn't wow. have a home. But she never went back and got her education. And while she was doing an amazing job and while she was doing what she felt like God had called her to do when she received that grace and gift herself as a 17-year-old single mother, um, she knew that there was more that she could do and ended up uh, at Wesley College where she was able to finish her high school education through our GED program, take classes, gain the skills that she needed, and the vision for how to mobilize and organize what she had in her heart. God had laid a long time ago a burden on her heart to help um, people who were, were widowed because they had been married too young um, into a family or second wives who didn't have a voice and weren't well taken care of, women that had been cast aside for various reasons. And she had had a heart for that since she was married off at a 14. Uh, but at Wesley College, she learned how to put feet on that vision. She learned how to make sure that she could carry it forward and do the organization she needed and do the mobilization she needed. And in the last six months, since she's graduated, she has started back in her hometown, a women's group that um, intentionally invites second wives, widows, uh, women, young women who um, don't have uh, secure marriages and oftentimes as a form of discipline or sometimes left outside at night in the cold and are able to bring them together and mobilize them and first and foremost let them know that they are loved. Mm -hmm. First and foremost let them know that they have a God who cares for them and who sees them and who sees what they're going through and is willing to walk with them just like that God walked with her so long ago. And, and she tells them very much up front, that's why God put me in your life, because I had somebody in my life when I was 17 who shared God's love with me, and I have to pass that on, and I have to give that yeah. to you. And then on top of that, they also do a lot to, 
to meet the physical needs and the emotional needs um, yeah. of that group of women. And so she has been on this journey and, and I don't wanna downplay her heart or her vision at all. It's been amazing being a friend um, of hers and being part of her community. But it's also amazing how three years of education is able to give somebody the skills and the ability and the vision they need to finally do what God has placed on their heart. Yeah. Um, and that's what we ultimately get the most uh, excited about. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Joseph? Um, blessings from uh, COVID-19. <laughs> is it a wrong, a wrong title or right title? <laughs> this is a um, real a window of opportunity for us to, um, to train leaders uh, and to mobilize church planters to go and spread the gospel, uh, spread the word of God. Um, I'm going to mention something about uh, our COVID-19 experiences and then um, I got testimony about conversion and then if there is a time about family uh, stuff. Um, first, um, in March 2020, we came from um, a faraway country in our restricted countries in Middle East and North Africa. In March 2020, before close down, we arrived our, in our country in 18, uh, March 18, and uh, our country closed down in March uh, 19. It was a miracle that we are, we, they wait for us to close down. And then we have a, um, a long program over the year uh, to be in different countries uh, in person. And what should we do? Uh, it was like, oh, will we wait for uh, COVID-19 to go away and then work? Actually, lots of churches, lots of organizations just waited until uh, it goes down. But we cannot wait. We got online stuff, and it was the first time for us to use online training. We got something called Zoom, which is common now <laughs> to everybody. <laughs> first time for me to use it. Um, and we started inviting and uh, recruiting people from different parts of uh, our region to join us to get this training, which is a history maker journey uh, for uh, around 25 different topics and uh, eight core values for the most effective leaders. And um, the good thing is we could get people from uh, countries which we are unable to go physically, like Saudi Arabia, Yemen, and all this stuff. And it was amazing that they came and joined us and got this training and just they are um, now they are um, trained leaders, indigenous leaders to uh, spread the word of God. Uh, one other country, we got three big events and a very restricted one, which we were unable to go physically. And we kept applying for a visa, entry visa for this country for more than uh, three, four years, and they didn't answer us. And when COVID-19 came, we did three big events. Mm. 
another country, we got another format for, of our training. Uh, it is. Uh, it was about in their country. They don't have. They don't care about COVID, so they can gather together. Especially in, in 2020, it was the peak of COVID, but they don't care about that. They. Um, we got a deal from them, to uh, for them to gather, 75 leaders, and pastors, came together in a big conference, and they received us over a big screen. We were teaching them, them over the screen for five days. Mm. And um, as usual, we have got um, a, a time of uh, a multiplication workshop. We challenge participants to make a plan what they are gonna do with this training. Then they had to plan ahead to use this uh, training to train others to spread the gospel. So those people in this restri very restricted country had a plan to do 10 different events in 10 different uh, cities in their country. And we evaluated the situation, this plan, we told ourselves it's too much, but let's go for it, okay, <laughs> do it. And then we, we provided them with the material, the books and everything, and they did it in um, less than two months. Wow. Yeah, and uh, it was amazing that while they are doing these trainings, events, 10 of them, they planted three churches in unreached areas. Wow. Which was amazing. And then they came back after two months, they said to me, how about if we do another 10 events? Because, yeah, there are many of cities there, many villages, and we can do it. I said, as long as you did it, you can do the uh, next. Go for it. And they did the other 10 events. Wow. It's amazing uh, multiplication, like a breakthrough in some areas. Um, in a recent one we did in person, uh, with Pastor Chris, when he was there with us, we got an event for five days for around 100 pastors and leaders uh, with us. And um, again, we did um, a multiplication workshop, and each group sat together and had a plan to do the, their multiplication. Some of them from Methodist Church there, and one of the founders, a, a good lady there, she said, I want to take this training to our biggest Methodist church there in the, in the region mm -hmm. to train 200 leaders. We said to her, 200 leaders is, is a very big number. How about if you decrease them just to focus? She said, okay, 150. Well, we, bar <laughs> <laughs> we bargained with her until 120. They started this uh, training last Friday. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Yeah. As my wife was them, starting with them uh, this event. Yeah. Uh, another, another multiplication was um, uh, the same event came um, which uh, 100 people in another city 
started uh, training others. And another young people from around 35 young people did already this multiplication. So we can say um, blessings coming from um, COVID-19. Yeah, we, we um, invested this time for training leaders and indigenous leaders. Mm -hmm. um, it's a blessing. Uh, another conversion which is, uh, makes us joyful and praise the Lord for this. Um, one day I was in a restricted country and um, we did uh, an event for uh, around 25 leaders and this restricted was in a house as we don't have any uh, church buildings at all in this uh, uh, country and it's not allowed to uh, have uh, uh, an hotel or any facility there mm -hmm. to do this um, uh, project. And after, uh, uh, in the end of this event, um, a man came to me from the participant asking for me, I want to get baptism. I said to him, you are a leader and you, you haven't gotten baptism. How come? He said to me, I have a long story. Tell me this story. Uh, his story that his brother went to join ISIS. He was loving his, his brother and he got shocked. And then he started um, looking for resources and read here and there, read their beliefs. And then he couldn't find uh, um, a good stuff. Then someone has given him a Bible. He started reading the Bible. And then he convinced that Jesus is the truth. Mm -hmm. And he came to Christ. Mm -hmm. And then he came to get baptism, uh, uh, get uh, this training event with us and get baptized. Mm. <clears throat> so uh, when we came to the real baptism, he said to me, I have um, a little concern which is my family. I said to him, How, what should we do uh, for your family? He said, my family, four children of mine and my wife would persecute me for my faith. I said to him, brother, we'll pray with you to win your family for Christ soon. And they will come to get baptism like you and I may come myself to baptize them. Said to me, really? Said to me, yes. Yeah. And three months later, I was away to, to visit my grandchildren in a faraway country. And it was a Christmas time and, and then I received a phone call from this brother asking for me, can you come? I said, why? He said, my family has come to Christ. Can you come and baptize them? Mm. Hey, the Lord. Yes, I will come. I disconnected my, my uh, trip, left, leaving my wife there and my grandchildren and returned to our region, finding not only his uh, family, but finding 12 of his family and friends came to Christ through him. Mm. 
I prayed the Lord for 12 people there. And one of those people, a lady, which were in uh, Saudi Arabia for pilgrimage, and there is a holy moment in this event for them, which they have a stone in their hand. This is a, for around more than five million Muslims there, handing this stone in their hands, and in a holy moment, all together they have to throw the stone away, all together in a big hole, believing that their sins would be given away from them. And while she was doing this, Jesus appeared himself to her, telling her, this is not the way. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Follow me. And the woman said, oh, who are you? She has seen Jesus. Who are you? I can't believe. So he said to her, I am Isa, which is Jesus. I am Jesus. Follow me. What should I do? He, he said to her, go back to your country. Someone will come to you and give you the New Testament. Read it and follow me. She went back to her country, finding someone the following day, giving her the New Testament. She read the New Testament, found Jesus himself, and here she was one of the 12 get baptized. Mm. We praise the Lord as he is glorifying himself. Yeah. Yeah. Miraculously. Yeah. yeah, he decided to do some work which we cannot do. We praise him. Yes, absolutely. Thank if you. If you have, if you uh, yeah, something. go ahead. Oh. oh yeah, the only thing that's next is lunch. You're good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, in um, certain countries, restricted countries. Sorry, I can't mention the country itself um, for some reasons. You know, um, we had. Our training event, leadership training, for around uh, 25 uh, leaders from very poor country, restricted country, a country which has uh, uh, less than, yeah, we can say, ha just few hundreds of believers in the, old in the whole country. So we, we train them and um, we have got a lesson about family parity just went for one hour in our training. And while I was teaching this topic to them for an hour, I found a leader of them crying. I stopped and asking him, why are you crying? I, did I say anything wrong against the values, or against your community? He said, no, 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 how come? We are from Muslim backgrounds, and we still have the same values of Muslim family. We behave in the wrong way against Christianity. We are Christian, but no one did teach us about Christian family. How come you just give us one hour? So I carried this burden to I lie people and I said to them about the need, and we approved to go 
the following year to, to invite couples to teach them about Christian family. Mm. And here we, I was there um, starting the um, uh, Christian family conference and uh, it was me that I found men are there, women the other side, and I tell them, oh, people, we are family conference. <laughs> How come? <laughs> Can you come together? And I kept explaining the value to come together as family, as couples, and for 20 minutes to convince them to move towards each other, <laughs> to sit in as couples. And when they came, after 20 minutes, men, men was sitting like this in, the, in this direction, and women was sitting the other <laughs> direction. <laughs> said, we are not fighting. <laughs> we are families. Okay, I kept other 10 minutes to convince them to come beside each other and look at each other face to face just for 10 minutes just to uh, to convince them to look at each other at face 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 to face and then finally i told them now you tell each other i love you <laughs> and after trials they did it <laughs> by the end of these four days we remarried them as christian we did a big celebration for the 25 couples, wow. and we yeah. did Christian marriages in this country. Yeah, we praise the Lord as God is using us in, in, in something really serious need. It's not a duplication for what others do, but it is a genuine need for those people who knew Christ one day. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned earlier, John and Sandy, you guys uh, are doing a lot of work right now on the ground and talking back and forth with things that are going on in the world. And uh, can you tell us what is one of the biggest things that we can be in prayer for you guys about? Um, yeah, what we know is that even from these stories is that missionaries don't actually take Jesus to other countries. He's already there. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so our job and your job as missionaries here in Montgomery um, or wherever you're watching from is to actually look for the signs of hope and redemption and beauty in a culture that are there in every culture and amplify the gospel, as well as look for the places of pain and darkness and bring hope yeah. into those places. What we have found is that missionaries and all of us, we need to do that work in our own lives first. Mm -hmm. We need to be on the lookout for what, what is the beauty and what is the redemption that is happening mm -hmm. even fresh every day in my own life. And what are the broken places where I can invite others into to offer us the hope of the gospel? It's that fresh experience of the gospel yeah. as a missionary goes to another culture that really um, 
is the light that makes Jesus known. And so when missionaries don't have that support or those places to um, recognize the beauty, the redemption, as well as um, bring hope into places of suffering and darkness that are common to our human experience, all of us, if you read the Psalms, Mm. it's actually our common experience as one of disorientation and then reorientation to the hope of Jesus. When missionaries don't have those places um, to bring hope into their places of suffering, then the light of the gospel is dimmed. Mm. And um, we have found, or we we know from research that many missionaries don't even finish their first term. And of those who leave the field, over 70% leave for preventable reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's very costly financially for what it takes to send a missionary, but it's costly in terms of the work. If you think about it, it makes a difference that Brian and Catherine are able to walk girls down the aisle and see them live in freedom to reach Moldova for Christ. Yeah. It makes a difference in Tanzania with an entire generation of young people, and it's a whole difference to the underground church and those um, marriages in the mm-hmm. in the Middle East and all around the world. And that's what it means to um, for missionaries to experience their own mm-hmm. well-being and constant flow of the gospel in their own lives. And so please pray for missionaries to have their own spaces where they can grieve, uh, lament, where they can experience um, healing in their own journeys. We need that. Mm -hmm. And pray for us, for all of us. Um, But uh, one of our biggest prayer requests, if you think of us, is that we would also um, experience our own care and live out what we teach other missionaries to do in terms of caring for their own souls so that we can be serving Jesus long-term. So pray for us to pursue our own care, our own times of rest, mm. our own times of reflection, and sometimes our even our own seasons of counseling and care that we need. So yeah. thank you so much for praying for all of us, uh, for our own um, well-being so that we can be there for the, um, the people that we are Jesus, are reflecting Jesus to. Yeah, wonderful. Catherine? When you said that just now, it just made me think, you know, as missionaries, we do, we need prayer, um, I think all of us, to live out what we're, we're we're teaching young people to do something, but we need it in our lives as well, because Mm -hmm. I'm constantly teaching our girls that they need to to take time to to make sure their prayer life is, you know, where Mm -hmm. it needs to be, to relax, to do all these self-care things and spiritual care things. And there was a, a few months ago, I was in a, some really stressful situations, and one of my girls came up to me and was like, you, you've taught me to do this. I think you need to do it. And, <laughs> like, it that hurt my pride a little bit, but at the same time, it was like, I, I need to keep modeling what it is I say is important. Yeah. Um, but for us, um, pray for our girls, pray for, for Brian and I, but we just ask specific prayer for the people of Ukraine because thousands of refugees are coming into Moldova right now and Moldova mm-hmm. where Moldovans are stepping up to the plate and caring for them um, but we just want all of you keeping Ukrainians in your prayers nonstop, 
for, for protection and peace and justice. Yeah, amen. Eric? I would say prayer, prayers for growth. The, the potential in Tanzania really is almost endless yeah. of what can be done um, for the gospel and to grow God's kingdom. Um, and then specifically, our, one of our goals for Wesley College is to grow to, um, within the next 10 years, 1,000 students a year that we're able to serve and to impact. And, and we're at 200 right now. So that's a big, it's not a small goal. Um, yeah. And so praying, <laughs> but praying specifically for, for the right students to find us. Yeah. It's not just about the numbers, but it's about being able to impact the people who need it. Mm -hmm. And so prayers that those students, uh, those young adults, those youth who don't know about us right now, but God has put a burden on their heart that they need to live out in their lives, mm -hmm. that they can find their way uh, to us and that they can be given the tools they need to do that. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. We are not alone. We believe that um, you are working with us through your prayers and support. Mm -hmm. So uh, you may come, other, other than prayers, you may come and join us as Pastor Chris and others joined us in our restricted countries. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. And uh, above all, uh, working through most of our restricted countries is not legal. So we are going to these restricted countries in an illegal work for mm -hmm. them, for mm -hmm. their authorities. So the top of the, our needs is pray for our safety and mm -hmm. going in and going out. Yeah. And thank you so much for your, all what you do. You do mm -hmm. a great job. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Please. As we were going into this conference, uh, the, the big goal we had was to raise awareness around what God was doing around the world through our partners, and we've certainly done that, and I'm so thankful uh, for the men and women on the stage with me, for our mission partners who are sitting all around this room. Some of them may even already be out in the atrium talking with people. Uh, Jimmy Acock, who preached um, um, Wednesday night in our opening ceremony, gave us a prophetic word, and that word was advance believes that, that the kingdom is going to continue to advance and to move forward. And so as we close our time together, we're going to come up and have one last song, and then you'll get to meet some of the missionaries, uh, talk with them out in the atrium. Uh, that's what I want to pray for. I want to pray that the gospel continues to advance around the world, that we continue to move forward as the church God's called us to be, and that each individual partner in their own context where God has them uh, that they continue to see movement forward. God is doing amazing things, and I'm just so thankful that you and I get to be a part of it, and it's an honor to even sit on a stage with these amazing men and women. So before I pray, would you give them one more big hand? Just thank them. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah.